This is Shine On, the Health and Happiness Show, and Ella's Leash Production. Heard as a podcast around the world, but heard first on radio stations 100.7 WHUD-FM and Real Country 920, 1260, and 1420 AM, all in New York's Hudson Valley. Shine On, bringing you healers and dreamers and people who want to make life richer. It's your time to shine on. The truth wants to have a voice, and that truth is all the images in your dream. So says Roger Kamenetz. Hello and welcome to Shine On Inspiration for Health and Happiness. Coming up this half hour, the ultimate tool to help you make the best decisions ever. You're going to love this as we tap right into your intuition. But first, a delve deep into your dreams with thenaturaldream.com. Natural dream work is a tool from poet and teacher Roger Kamenetz. I know I use the words life-changing a lot on this show, but that's only because it's true. And natural dream work is absolutely life-changing. Ditch those books of dream symbols and meanings and feel what your dreams make you feel and then pause and feel what you are avoiding feeling in your dreams. I have a personal story to share on the other side of this talk with Roger Kamenetz, and it's a doozy. Roger has a book out right now called Yonder, based on the poetry and imagery of natural dream works. He also wrote The Jew and the Lotus and The History of Last Night's Dream. For Roger, it's been a lifelong learning experience. Well, I've always been interested in dreams. I just started to delve into them at a certain point and uh, began working with a a number of different teachers and uh, learned something about a new way of working with dreams. And also, I guess the experiences I had in my own dream work, uh, my own dream life, were impelling me to write the book as well. But, uh, you know, since then, I mean, since that book came out, I've had the opportunity to work with so many people and learn so much more even about how to work with dreams. So learned a lot from other people's dreams, yeah. <laughs> which is great. You find that it's a language that is leading the pathway to our soul. Is that correct? Right. So soul is, a, you know, of course, a word that has a lot of religious connotations for people. I think it's also a way of saying that it leads to the realm of the imagination, because in a sense, the imagination is the most soulful part of each of us. So dreams give us an experience a really profound experience of imagination, pure imagination that every one of us gets to participate in, which is which is kind of wonderful. You don't have to be a poet or an artist to have imagination. Everybody slept last night, I hope, and probably <laughs> right, and uh, probably had a dream or two. I know I had some bizarre ones. Where do we oh. start deciphering? Well, that's that's a good question. And so, in uh, the kind of dream work I do these days, called natural dream work, we start with your experience in the dream, and instead of, like you say, deciphering or that something you know might be bizarre or weird that that's really from a waking life point of view but in the dream itself it's just things that are happening right so let's say in your dream you saw a lion okay mm. instead of deciphering and saying what does the lion mean right which is an old approach what what we ask with with natural dream work is what did you feel when you were near the lion also, how far away were you from the lion? So I'm interested in the space in the dream, and how long were you with the lion? So the time, right? So space, time, and feeling all 
intersect there, don't they? Uh, like if you're really close to the lion, you're going to be more terrified. So instead of saying, what did the lion mean? I'm asking you, what's it like to feel that terror? That's the gift the dream is giving you. Maybe it doesn't sound like a gift. Okay, so now I had a dream about a lion, and, and now I look at right. how close I was and how terrified right. I was, or maybe not. Maybe I went on, hopped on the lion's back and went for a ride, <laughs> right? Yeah, I would say that, that we learned a lot about ourselves from our response. You know, I had a client who dreamed of a lion, and she tried to shut it in a laundry room. So her response to the lion was, in a way, not respecting the lion. I, I think in waking life, if there were a lion, I sure wouldn't try to shut it in a laundry room. I mean, I would be terrified. So I, I can interpret that yeah. dream. She's a mom, and there's just way too much laundry. Exactly. But the lion <laughs> is coming. I'm with you. All right. But the lion is also coming to wake her up from that and bring real feeling into her life. Because when you're doing the laundry, you don't get a chance to feel as much, right? You're, you're tied down by all your obligations and, and sort of postpone, I'll feel things later. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. the lion is saying, you know, terror is on the menu right now. And truth is, we have a lot of feelings we don't want to feel. So dreams can bring those feelings and ultimately that's healthy to feel our feelings. And what is this part of us that wants us to feel the things we don't want to feel? <laughs> well, that's a great question. That's beautiful. Okay, so you already see that we're starting to divide into parts, right? So, <laughs> yes. yeah, like there's in the dream, there's a point of view, what I call the dream ego. And it might, you know, say, oh, I can just hop on the back of the lion, um, which you can sort of, if a person said that to you in waking life, you'd say, ooh, that person's deluded. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But if you think you can do that in the dream, it's because you tend to uh, skip over feelings and think you can dominate them, right? You can sort of override them. So that's telling you something about how you deal with feelings in waking life as well, isn't it? Or, you know, if you run in terror, that seems to be more, a little more down to earth. Okay, when I have terrifying feelings, I'm going to at least acknowledge them. I guess you can hear my train background. Huh? Yeah, we love it. We love it. Are they, okay. are, they com are they coming into New Orleans or are they leaving? Little oh, they're both. doing both. Yeah, little of both. <laughs> we have a lot of trains. That's great. Okay. So, in other words, we, learn a, we can learn a lot about your dream ego. That's that part of you that might be resistant to feeling. And then there's another part of you that I think is deeper, which is the soul, which is constantly bringing up feeling. That's why I mentioned the imagination. The imagination is full of feeling and brings up images right. that carry feelings, like our friendly lion or our terrifying lion. So is the soul trying yes. to help us, is this part of us trying to help us, I guess it's trying to give us information, right? Well, that's, you know, I would say the us, the, the ego, let's say, the I that you generally identify with as yourself, Casey, is, can be in opposition to the deeper you, Ooh. which is soul, right? It's sort of like the, the I, the slogan of the ego is sort of like, everything's normal, no, no problems here, let's keep going, right? You know? Yes. Let's, and, and, the, and, and the truth is, is deeper than that. And the truth wants to have a voice, and I, I guess the voice of that truth is, is, is are all the images in the dream. The truth if that, wants yeah, to have a voice, and the truth yes, is it, all the images in the dream. There you go. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> All right, that just makes my dreams even more disturbing. What does it mean when you have? A, it does. I had a dream about having to go to the ladies' room. I had to make a pee pee. I mean, I don't know how to say that. I had uh-huh. to. I had to. No, go, I, I get it. Yeah, I had to go in the dream. We all do. Yes, in the dream. No. And so, and yeah. there I was. I was in high school, but I was older mm-hmm. than I should have been. But yet, I'm in mm. high school and I'm moving in and out of these different rooms. I needed to find a ladies' room. I also wanted right. to take a shower. Both of these things are inappropriate in high school. Well, well, I don't know, but but I think the real question I'd ask you is: before that happened, what was happening? Oh my what God. led you to that? Well, something was happening. Let me put it this way: you don't necessarily have to go into it, but something was happening, and your response was suddenly to say, "Oh, I got to go to the bathroom." In other words, the bathroom can mean a lot of things, but one of them is a place where you can get away. Right? Wow. So I don't, I don't, I don't really know what was happening just before that, but I'm going to guess that it was something you didn't want to feel. So it's sort of like, oh, I don't think I want to feel that, so maybe I'll go to the bathroom. Right. Maybe I'll go on this journey through a dark building looking for a bathroom where I could have some privacy. Yeah, so I, I don't know if you want to say what was happening before, because some of these things are you know, something you want to say. But. I don't know. I don't know what was happening before, other than I know there was a, a play going on. There was a drama on stage. Right. Yeah, so, you know, without I don't want to be flippant with your dream, you know, but just to understand that um, everything that happens in a dream, or the dream could be understood instead of seeing a dream as a weird story, which is what most people do, I see it as a movement of feeling. So like, let's say feeling one was whatever you were feeling when you were watching the, sh- the play, and that feeling moved you to think, oh, gotta go to the bathroom. And that led you to wow. search, right? Wow, that led right. me on a search, and I couldn't find a, a private place. And so, yeah. you know, and then when I found a place, the toilet was overflowed with other people's water. Right, so what you feel there? Right there. I mean, even now, like, you can go, what we call, what I say natural dream workers, we don't interpret dreams, we bring them to life. So in this case, to bring them to life, I would ask you just to close your eyes and see that moment. It's a difficult moment. It's terrible. Yeah, I know. And there are feelings, and and those feelings you have in that moment are in your body, and you can really feel them. They're visceral, and probably, I'm guessing, disgust or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like, right? yeah, yeah, and and also I'm tired. It's like, of course, of course oh. it's overflowing, and I can't go oh. here. Oh, uh, you're frustrated. Yeah. So that's anger. So in other words, mixture of anger and disgust. And again, if you feel those feelings in your dream, you may also at times feel them in waking life. Maybe you can have a different response. Um, the dream gives you a chance to experience the feeling all over again. This is brilliant. Perhaps go deeper with it. So yeah, I it do, is. <laughs> I don't want you to laugh too hard, but this I experienced this after having spent a few days with my mother. <laughs> okay. I, I, that's between you and your mom. I'm not going there. But I'll, I'll just say the question would be that feeling, let's, the one I just took you to that we went back to together, if you just kind of contemplated. I know it's not a pleasant feeling. It doesn't matter. All feelings are food for the soul. So if you just contemplate it and see, well, did I feel that way sometime in the last few days? Maybe you did. Unbelievable. That exact feeling. Right. You that know? exact feeling. All right. So there you are. So we call that a reaction. Wow. In other words, there's a feeling, but we don't feel it for very long. We immediately jump into sort of reacting to it. And 
I, I think another way of saying what I'm trying to do with this, with with a dream is to move you from a life of reaction to a life of feeling. Right. Like instead of bouncing around like a billiard ball from reaction to reaction, slow it down and just feel your feelings. Like I said before, a lot of them we don't want to feel. Like who wants to feel disgust? Nobody. Nobody. But if you give it a little more time, the feeling evolves and changes. It doesn't stay fixed. Wow. You're not stuck in disgust, you know. So we should break down our dreams and let every frame tell us how we're feeling or feel what we were feeling in every frame or feel what we were trying not to feel. Well, that's right. I mean, that's a really good summary. I mean, obviously the work is delicate and, and, you know, takes time with the person and, and care. But yeah, the gist of it, you definitely have your finger on. TheNaturalDream.com. You can go to that website and for a very affordable fee, have a natural dream analyst help you give voice to your truth. And Roger offered that to me. So I took another crazy disjointed dream to Roger's colleague, Marion Enox Gay. I sent her the dream by email. We set up a time to talk. She had me read the email of my dream back to her, and then she walked me through each scene. And it was a ridiculous dream with all these dissimilar incidents, but they're all trying to say one thing. There was one scene in the dream when there was a tsunami wave coming right at me. And in the dream, I looked at the tsunami wave and said no. And in the next scene, I was on dry land. And Marion suggested in the most gentle way that maybe I wanted to look at what one might feel if a tsunami was coming towards them. Oh, you mean that feeling that I've been denying forever? It literally took me 24 hours just to begin to process the meaning of this dream. And now everything in my life is clearer for having done so. I've never experienced anything like this. I cannot believe how liberating it is. Visit thenaturaldream.com and read Yonder, the latest book of poetry based on this work, and the history of last night's dream by Roger Kamenitz with a K. I am now a very big fan. Okay, we're not done plumbing the depths of what's inside you. It is Take Your Intuition to Work Time. Rick Snyder's book is Decisive Intuition. Rick, we have three brains. Yeah, actually, we have a whole network of the same neurotransmitters that are in our head um, and all of the same hormones that secrete and all of that that are also in our gut and in our heart. We literally have a heart intelligence and we have a gut intelligence. And so the idea is the more that we can tap into our gut and our heart along with our head, we actually, it's proven through research that we actually make better decisions. All right. So we need to slow down and connect with all our parts while we're at the office. That's right. In fact, they also have shown with neuroscience that we have neuroreceptors in almost every cell of our body. So the more we're literally engaged fully at work and we're picking up on all the signals and cues, that's how we get information and can make better decisions that way, too. All right. So give me like a like a how that happens. I'm sitting at my desk. I'm working on a project and I'm going to feel something in my body. Yeah, so a lot of times, let's say you're in a team meeting and you get that feeling that something's you know, going on the wrong track in the team meeting and people are falling asleep, they're not engaged, whatever might be happening. And a lot of times we ignore that. We override what we're really feeling and sensing and we just go along with the program. The problem is there's so much valuable information that we get when we slow down and we tune into those inner signals and cues and then we have an opportunity to actually change the workflow and change the meeting and make it more impactful 
or whatever is called for in the moment. All right. Well, how do we know that the message that we're getting, no matter where we're picking it up, how do we know that this is a good message? Well, I think this is where it takes a lot of self-awareness and a lot of practice. And a lot of my book really gets into how to actually practice tuning into your intuition and recognizing when it's, instead it might be an emotion trying to hijack your intuition or uh, you know, a bunch of thoughts that might be criti- your critical mind, for example. And so a lot of the work is how do you separate the voice of your inner critic? How do you separate the voice of fear and doubt from that deeper innate intelligence that you have? And so it does take some time and practice, but the book really helps get at the really deep issue around how do I start to locate my in, my intuitive language so that I can separate it from these other voices in the room. Okay. The inner critic is always nice and loud. What's the point of the inner critic? Why we why do we have such a thing? Yeah, we everyone that I've ever met and worked with uh, or even known in my personal life has an inner critic. We all have one, that, that little chirping that happens in the background and doubts or compares ourselves to other people. And the, the actual reason why we have it is that it's our protector. It's actually trying to protect us from future hurt. Um, And so that's really what its job is to do is, hey, this didn't go so well last time. Don't go on stage again or don't take that risk. And so that's really the voice of the critic. The problem is it sabotages our success and it keeps us in an old limiting belief that's actually not true for us anymore. It's not true for us anymore. So it's trying to keep us safe. Got that. You have a quote here from Marcel Marceau on page uh, 127. Our body knows things the mind does not have access to. Yeah, so he was a brilliant mime back in the day, and he got this. And so what science is also showing us is that our subconscious mind is where we pick up information faster than our conscious mind. And our subconscious lives in our body. And there's this great quote that the body doesn't lie. And so when we get a certain feeling about something or we notice body language from other people in the office or even in our personal life, pay attention to that because there's so much rich data that you're getting um, subjected to all the time. How can you use that? Where if you're just in your mind, that's not as reliable. You know, our mind makes things up. We over-exaggerate or under-exaggerate, but the body doesn't lie. And so that's why it's so important to learn how to clue into your own signals and cues that way. All right. Well, teach us a little something right now, if you can. We're talking to Rick Snyder. His beautiful blue book is called Decisive Intuition, and this is about bringing your intuition to the workplace. I think a lot of people shut down big parts of themselves. They don't bring all of themselves to work. So this is the task to get them to tune into their larger self. Uh, Can you give us an exercise or something? Yeah, here's a, a one that I love is when you're at the, when you're noticing that your brain's kind of getting fried from the workday or you're staring in front of that computer screen, literally take 10 minutes where you can get away from the computer screen, you get outside if it's a nice day or a decent day if you can, and just literally walk around the block and slow down and ask whatever question you're facing. Maybe it's, should I hire this person? Or um, is this the right strategy for our company right now? Whatever that question is, hold it loosely, but ask that and, and basically interrupt your normal patterning and your normal way of thinking. And that's where we're gonna start to slow down and access our deeper, innovative creativity. Now you say hold it loosely. What does that feel like? So for example, I might say to myself, oh, is this person the right hire for my team? And I'm just holding that question loosely. I'm not trying to get my own personal agenda involved yet. I'm not trying to let my, let my own biases get in the way. I'm just holding that question in my head and in, in my space. 
And then as I'm walking around or as I'm chewing on that throughout the day uh, and I'm listening to what my inner signals and cues are telling me, then I'm going to start getting a response. And that's where it's so valuable to listen to that inner conversation that's happening all the time. Okay. Talk about, if you can, the heart check and the gut check. Yeah. So heart check, this is something that we do with executives is, you know, when they're making a big decision, we'll actually sit them down and have them do a typical pro-con critical thinking exercise. But then we have them do a heart check. And the idea is, once again, we have that heart intelligence. And so what is your heart actually telling you about moving the company or opening up a new location? What are you getting there? What's the data telling you there? And then, then dropping into your gut. And the gut is really seen as the first brain. It's our primordial brain that develops before the head brain actually develops in the embryo. And so when you go down your gut, there's really just no BS about it. It's just really direct. And so just tapping in down there, and you still look at that same choice about your product development or whatever choice you're facing, and executives will come up with some amazing insights when they're able to tap into their heart and their gut that go along with the data and research. So you have a six-part plan. Become more receptive, slow down, separate from the inner critic, listen to your body, Ask for guidance and act on your inner intelligence. Who are we asking for guidance? So that's where we're asking that deeper subconscious, that deeper wisdom that we all have within us. And we all have that resource. Sometimes people ask me, you know, well, either I'm born intuitive or I'm not, right? And what I say is, yeah, it's true. Some people do have more natural talent, just like in any skill. Yet if we practice this every day, If we practice getting into relationship with our intuitive center every day, you are going to get better at reading out those signals and cues. Okay. Give us one exercise we can do to get in touch with our inner intuitive. Okay. I call this the coin toss. Once again, bring up a decision that you might be facing in your business or in your life. Let's take a simple one. Um, Let's take actually (laughs) simple but complicated. Should I stay in this relationship? And so pick a, you know, one side might be heads, one side might be tails, and you'll actually do like a best of five. So the first side that gets to three, notice, you know, which side is that? Is that heads or tails? You know, leave or stay in the relationship. But the real key is not so much what actually, what number gets to three first. The real clue is what is your body telling you as you're doing this exercise? Are you noticing that you're moving toward a decision and you get excited, you feel warm, um, there's certain cues that you have that are a yes, or and are you feeling a no towards one of those choices also, where your body might be a little more clenched, a little more shut down, or a bit uh, vacant perhaps, or numb? And so that's where getting to know your cues is so important because you're going to get to know your yes and your no, and even a simple coin toss will help share show that what you're actually moving toward and what you're moving away from that is brilliant oh my god that is brilliant (laughs) ah that is so great because you know as the coins flipping you're thinking you know give me heads give me heads right and here's the thing is we're distracting our mind our conscious mind which is so great because then our subconscious can connect all the dots in the background and that's where we're getting access to all that info, rich information that, that, you know, we already probably know anyway, somewhere deep inside of us. Beautiful. All right, Rick Snyder, Decisive Intuition. Tell us where we can go for more information. Yeah, you can find us, our company, that's bringing intuition to the business space at invisible-edgellc.com. And the book, Decisive Intuition, is at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever they sell books near you. Good stuff.
Hi, it's Casey. Thanks for shining on today. Join me, please, for a self-mastery symposium May 10th and 11th in Poughkeepsie, a half-day retreat at Balance on 6 in Mohegan Lake May 25th, inspirational weekend getaways July 26th in Ossining, August 17th in Garrison, and August 14th I'll be at the Open Center in New York for Media Training Day. Come get ready to be a Shine On guest. I'll get you there. Casey.co has more. Our thought for the day is from Robert Collier, a metaphysical writer from the 20th century, who said, Our subconscious minds have no sense of humor, play no jokes, and cannot tell the difference between reality and an imagined thought or image. What we continually think about eventually will manifest in our lives. Shine on. been listening to shine on the health and happiness show for your entertainment only heard sunday mornings on 100.7 whud and on real countries 9 20 12 60 and 14 20 a.m all in new york's hudson valley subscribe to shine on on itunes and soundcloud and catch a show anytime at casey.co that's k-a-c-e-y dot c-o shine on